I'm Rebecca. This is a podcast for all my single friends out there and for anyone who's ever been single. Cue the laughs, life lessons, and all things love. Welcome to Dating in the Bay. Now, let's get to it. Hey, hey, everybody. Happy Wednesday. Welcome back to Dating in the Bay. And I'm super pumped that we have Sarah Cohan here today. She's the host of Lit AF Podcast, and she also lives in San Francisco. And we're going to talk a lot about shadow work, self-limiting beliefs, and how we can overcome those in order to call in partnership. And I'm really looking forward to this conversation just because I think her podcast is really awesome. And I love her style and just her overall vibe is really fun. So let's see, quick update from me. Bet you guys didn't know this, but I moonlight as a pet detective, unpaid. I kind of picked this up over the pandemic because there wasn't really a lot to do. So I would scour nextdoor.com and somehow got involved in finding lost cats in particular, because those are more, I guess, prevalent in missing pets around my neighborhood. So shout out to Liesl if you're listening. Liesl and I tag teamed on finding one cat in particular named Biggie, and we sort of trespassed into somebody's backyard, but it was really for the greater good because we ended up finding this cat named Biggie, and little Biggie was a big boy. He was about 14 or 15 pounds, and I actually uh, captured him at one point and put him in a box. The box broke because Biggie was too big. So anyways, we were able to get him. Anyways, I got a text today. That was my update. I'm pretty excited to have a new kind of case to work on and to hopefully find this cat so that the owners can have some peace of mind and have their cat back. So with that, let's get to Sarah's conversation. Hope you guys enjoy it. All right, Sarah, how are you doing? Welcome to the podcast. Hi, I'm so excited to be here. Thanks for having me. Of course, I've been really looking forward to this episode for a long time. Can you tell us a little bit about yourself? I think I saw that you worked at the Burning Man Project. I did, yes. I used to work there. That was wild. <laughs> was a, How was that? Oh God, yeah. It was so wild. It was a fun time. I worked there for almost three years and I actually was, I worked there, but I had never been to Burning Man before I started working there. So that was a pretty rare thing for employees. And it was like the best initiation into Burning Man Project. So I did fundraising there, which was really fun. <laughs> Oh, awesome. Yeah. Very cool. So what was your Burning Man experience like before we hear the rest about you? I've never been and I hear all about it, but everybody's experiences are so different. And then I hear kind of different pieces. Totally. I love that. Well, especially living in the Bay Area, it's like almost a rite of passage kind of going around here. And I would say my experience is very strange because I was working at the event the whole time. So every year that I've been, I've been for three years and every year I was working. So it's a very different experience. But I would say that my Burning Man experience really happened like in the office with the office culture. And it's amazing. Like it is just a week for normal participants of kind of like synchronicity and like a lot of magic happening. Like things will happen. Like you'll be like, I want a lemonade. And then someone will literally just walk by and be like, free lemonade. Like who wants that? Like, it's just like anything that you can dream of is there. And you can like go up and everyone's very open. You can go up and like talk to people. There's so much community. Like it's just amazing. And it's dirty and it's dusty and it's hot. And like, you're all out there surviving and not just surviving, but like thriving together. It's so fun. That's awesome. Has anybody ever brought Funfetti cake? Oh, I'm sure. There's a bakery camp actually. It's called the French Quarter. And it's literally imagining like baking out there. Like it's already hot. So the fact that they brought ovens, 
are using them in the hot, hot, hot heat. <laughs> and they're literally just like baking cakes all day long. Like one of my birthdays happens when I'm out there. And so my boss every year would go get me a cake from the camp. It was so sweet. <laughs> oh, yeah. that's awesome. When's your September birthday? 3rd. Oh, coming yeah, sure up. sure is. <laughs> Getting older. <laughs> <laughs> so tell us more about you and then about your podcast. I really like the podcast. But we'll Same. I love your podcast. That's why I'm so excited to be here. Oh, thank you. So I'm the host of Lit AF Podcast, which is a hilarious podcast about personal growth. And through this work over the last couple of years, I've just really delved into the world of personal development. And through that, I've become a coach and I help women that are calling in partnership and or calling in money. And the reason that I chose those two topics is actually they're really closely related. So I know you've had people come on and like talk about manifestation and a lot of psychologists come on and talk about like attachment style. So I feel like it's this is like bridging those two worlds together. And I call it shadow work coaching because really what's happening is we're diving into the client's subconscious to figure out like what is hidden in the subconscious that's trying to keep you safe. And then we pull that out And usually these things are like both relationships and money are dealing with safety and security. And so that's why I like connect those two. And oftentimes when we start calling in the salary that we desire or the money that we desire, depending on what type of job you have, then we'll also start to see partnership being like matched by that level, which is really, really cool. So what made you decide to initially start the podcast? Oh my gosh, this has been a long time coming. I was in, I did improv in San Francisco for about seven years and I was dabbling in stand-up comedy. And then during COVID, everything was shut down, <laughs> everything. There was like no performing. And like at the time in the beginning of COVID, I feel like there's so many technological advancements that happened during COVID. Like we saw, what's that app that just came out? Clubhouse. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So we saw the rise of like TikTok, which is like everyone just dancing, which is so fun. And then we saw the rise of Clubhouse, which was so fascinating. It's like this really interesting time to like bring people together. So at the beginning of COVID, we're all locked in the house. And at the time I had this like cape company. So I was selling sparkly capes. I was making like handmade custom unique capes for festival goers and all festivals were canceled. I know they were so cool. They were very like superhero, but then also like, like really glitzy and fancy and like very Beyonce inspired. And can I still buy one? uh, No, I'm sorry. The company is closed. I know. No, this is tragic. I know, but it was so much, it was so much work and I'm so grateful for that experience. So as like COVID was coming, you know, we were only supposed to be in for five weeks in our houses all of the festivals like that I was supposed to be selling at just got canceled. And I was just like, you know what? What was I trying to achieve by selling these capes? And really what I was trying to do is help people bring out their like authentic, like kind of really wild and bold selves. And Mm -hmm. so I decided to channel that energy and bring in like my comedic background and just my love of like sharing stories and providing a platform really for others to share stories. So that's how I started my podcast. And I didn't want to like typecast it. I like really let it be broad in the very beginning and then kind of funneled. Like it just started getting more and more and more and more personal growth and like very spiritual. So that's where it's at right now. I love that because it resonates because I I didn't really ever intend starting a podcast. And then I started really broad and then I realized everything comes down to personal growth and mindset and being present, those kinds of things. And they translate way beyond dating and relationship. I think part of dating is kind of the microcosm of your existence and everything comes out in dating. I wanted to talk to you before we get into all the shadow work. My episode that resonated the most with me of yours was the one that you did on normalizing miscarriage. And even though I haven't had a miscarriage, 
all of the grief and everything that I heard from you, I felt on a deep level. I just felt so connected to you when you were talking as a listener, just riding the wave with you. When you were laughing about like looking back on something, then I'd find myself laughing with you. It was just like this crazy kind of roller coaster. And I love how all your episodes are just so genuinely from the heart. Was it hard for you to start opening up more and more in the podcast? Or was it from the get-go, you were able to just always put your full self out? Or was it like a gradual thing? Oh my God, I love this question. And I'm just so deeply honored. I like want to, I'm tearing up just thinking about that. That's really amazing. Thank you for saying all that. (laughs) That was a really pinnacle episode, I would say, for my podcast. Because when I first started the podcast... I would do monthly solo episodes and I would be like, this is how I paid off credit card debt. And like, this is how I have my dream job. And like very goal oriented, kind of like this, read this self-help book and this self-help book, and then you can do this. And I miscarried and then had an abortion on December 31st of 2020. So it really brought in this new year. And I just knew right away that this was something I could not this was something I needed to communicate about immediately because when I first found out about the miscarriage, I immediately started texting all my friends and then everyone responded and was like, oh, this friend had an abortion or sorry, a miscarriage a couple years ago. This friend had two miscarriages and maybe she's pregnant now. We're not really sure. And I was just like, wait a second. There's all these stories coming out about miscarriages. And then I talked to my dad and he's like, oh, your mom miscarried so many times. I'm like, mom, is that true? She's like, maybe. I don't know. I was just like, no one was talking about it. And I was like, I got to. I have to talk about this immediately in the best way that I know how. And that was definitely the podcast. And I feel like ever since then, I've gone deeper with kind of what's going on internally because I've realized that like everything I'm feeling is so universal. I used to feel like I was so special (laughs) dealing with just like all this trauma that I've experienced in my life. And now I've realized that like we're we're all universally connected. But then also on top of that, like a lot of people are feeling and dealing with a lot of the same things. So if I can share, then it can help, you know, someone go through that. And the most profound thing that happened after that episode is a friend of mine who had an abortion 10 years ago or something like that really was kind of stuck in that story. And then part of listening to my podcast and me talking about how the medical system actually refers to miscarriages and abortions in the same exact way. Like there's no difference between the two. And that completely changed her own perception of the trauma that she had experienced by having an abortion. So anyone listening, you are out there and you're dealing with any of that you are human. You're here with the best of us. And there is no shame at all in what happened and what you, the choices that you made. And I, yeah, I just feel like the embryo is a lot less precious than we all make it out to be. <laughs> there, I said it. <laughs> you said it. I said it and no, I meant I it. That. Yeah. yeah, no, I appreciate that so much. And I was thinking kind of also more broadly on the topic of grief, because it's just, Like you were saying, it's a really universal topic that I think a lot of people can connect with. And well, I'll invite you for a separate episode. Maybe we can do on grief in general, because I've been feeling a lot of, uh, what's it called? Ambiguous grief, where it's like you grieve the future that you won't have or that you thought that you would have. I don't know if that makes sense. (laughs) That totally makes sense. I love that. Yeah. Yeah. And there was, I mean, this year has, for me, has been so much grief. And like what I say in the episode is that grief has no linear path. Like 
a couple months ago, not even a couple months ago, it was like two months ago, I was reading a blog post. So the my skin is still acneic from the hormones that I experienced when I was pregnant. And at this point, that was nine months ago. And it's just now clearing up. And so I was Googling like how to deal with like post miscarriage acne. And this article was talking about like, how normal this is and how women suffer from it. And I just started reading the article and I burst into tears. And I was just like, wow, I had no idea. I was still grieving this miscarriage or this future. Like this, I was kind of thought I was through it, but like grief has literally no linear path. Like it can come and go at any time. (laughs) Time means nothing to grief. Like it is just, it's just there. And there's, I feel like just honoring it is the only way through and just sitting with it, unfortunately. (laughs) I mean, I loved that part of the episode too. Yeah. Is that when you were saying how that you honored every like desire that you wanted throughout the process. And I just thought that was so, I don't know, raw and admirable that you're like fully acknowledging it and then just being in it. And I don't know, I just thought that was like a really like so gentle and kind to yourself. And I don't think most people are ever that kind to themselves. Yeah. You know? Thank you for saying that. Yeah. That has been cultivating the relationship and trust with myself has been the thing for personal growth of just creating that relationship with myself. And that's part of it, like honoring every single thing that I needed. That is my way of building trust with myself to show myself that my body, my soul can trust me finally in ways that it couldn't before. I love that. Wait, so, okay. So what's the TLDR on how to build trust within yourself besides that? <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah. Oh my God. I love this. So my, my trust building started with just committing to taking a bath every single day. And my baths have turned into, I call them goddess baths. They're like these ridiculous. And I say ridiculous in the most loving way. Like I've got Epsom salt and I put like flower herbs in there. And then I've got my candles, my crystals and my soundscape. Like I've got like a whole routine ritual surrounding my bath, my goddess bath. But it just started, my self-care routine literally just started by taking a bath every day. And then I started adding meditations and journaling to that. And I like keep playing around with it. I keep changing it. But just knowing that for, I think almost an entire year, at the end of the day, I was going to take a bath. And in that bath, I was just going to commit to time with myself, whatever that meant. And from there, it just grew. So a friend of mine who's another coach, uh, Rachel Besser, she recommends when you're trying to build trust with yourself, that you actually narrate every single thing that you do to yourself, which is part where like, we're kind of still in lockdown. If we go back into lockdown, like this is a perfect exercise to be doing. So if you're like, oh, I need to go get a glass of water, you literally say out loud to yourself, like, I'm going to go get a glass of water. And then like, you're in, you fill up your cup. You're like, I am filling up my cup with water. Then you drink, you're like, I am drinking my water. And it's like, every single activity is showing your brain that there's congruency. So congruency means that like your actions match your words that, and that's literally creating trust. And so it's just like, I'm going to go outside of the house. Like every activity that you do narrate to yourself. And that starts to build up this trust with like, whatever you're saying that we're going to do, we're doing. And all of a sudden you're like, okay, I trust you. It's like if I had a dog and be like, we're going on a walk. And then you go on a walk and like you tell the, like the dog starts knowing the word walk totally, from that. Totally. Yeah. 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 I'm going to start doing that to myself and be like, I'm going to take myself on a walk. <laughs> and then I'll be like, we're walking one step ahead of the next. <laughs> I love that so much. <laughs> it was just see what happens. I'm so curious. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> okay. So let's get into the shadow work coaching that you yeah. do. Yeah. Tell me all the yeah. things. And what's the trajectory of the coaching program that you yeah. do? Yeah. So how familiar with the shadow are you? I'm curious. So I was starting to do research and then I was like, well, I don't want to know too much because I want to be learning on Love the show. That. So 
I then stopped myself and withdrew so I could be fully like, oh my God, I love that. I love that. (laughs) Okay. So the shadow is coined by the psychologist, Carl Jung, and his famous quote about the shadow is that the shadow is traits within ourselves that we are repressing. And so until the quote from Carl Jung is that until we make the unconscious conscious, we will call it fate and it'll rule our lives. So have you seen the movie Inside Out? It's probably been a while. Yeah, yes, it's probably been a while, but Amy Poehler. Oh, so like, so no, it's, it's uh, with Amy Poehler, and it's all about feelings and emotions. And Pixar is like, yes, I love. They're it. just on point with emotions and spirituality. I loved the movie Soul. Oh my god, it's so 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 good. So in Inside Out, there's a hilarious part of the movie where Joy. So Joy is constantly running the show in this poor girl's brain, and trauma actually leads to one emotion like ruling out over the others. But that's a side note. So as part of the movie, they're like trying to get back to the main brain with these memories that Joy really wants to hold on to. And they accidentally end up in this like dungeon (laughs) that is the subconscious and it's dark and there's like a really scary clown in there (laughs) and it's literally the subconscious. And so I like to think of that when I'm thinking about the shadow, because it's like, it kind of gives shape to this like amorphous thing that we're trying to define, right? It's really hard to define because we've really actually repressed these traits. So the shadow traits are traits within ourselves that we repress because the subconscious, which controls 98% of our thoughts in our decision-making process, the subconscious's main job is to keep us safe. So the subconscious controls our breathing, our autonomic nervous system, like everything that like a heartbeat, like all of these things the subconscious is controlling to keep us safe. And then when certain events happen to us, especially as kids from age zero to seven, we're like sponges. We remember those moments. So let's say mom and dad don't like it when we make really loud noises. We internalize that message, like discipline from that age. And when then we, (laughs) we stop ourselves from being too loud because we want that love and that connection from mom and dad. We want to keep ourselves safe. And so we can figure out what our shadow traits are when we start to judge others. So this is where it gets really interesting. So it's like these little breadcrumbs when we like realize that we're judging someone or we're triggered by something that someone else is doing. That's often because the shadow trait of, oh my gosh, that person is being too loud is actually what's causing us to judge them. And then when we flip it around and we explore that and we're like, okay, wait a second, (laughs) where am I being too loud? Like, where am I judging myself for being too loud? And then how, like asking ourselves the question of how is that serving us? Literally, that was serving us to keep us safe from our parents. And realizing what the what the need behind it was. So the need behind it was love and connection from our parents. And so if we can figure out another way to get that need met that is a healthier way, we can express our full versions of ourselves. And once we're expressing our full version of ourselves, that's like, that's the sauce. That's when we are living. And that is the whole point of all of us being on this planet, right? Is to be our true authentic selves. So does any of that make sense to you? <laughs> Do you have questions? Yes. <laughs> Yes, I have a lot of questions. And I liked what you said too about how it's all in reference to like, is how is this serving me? Because mm. so many things I feel like it's like, oh, I feel or like I do these things. And they're like, yeah, but how is that serving? Yeah, me actually, like, is that helpful? Or like some of my thoughts, especially I'll be like, oh, like I have like these thoughts and I'm like, keeps, you know, ruminating around them. But then I'm like, okay, why? 
Like, is this a helpful thought? Yeah. Is this the helpful thought? You know, can I just let it go? Oh, I yeah. love that. And then when you were saying too about being our authentic selves, I just imagine one of your capes. I haven't seen them, but like, because <laughs> I want to wear like, I want a really like bedazzled, sparkly cape with just like funfetti colors everywhere. Like that's I love it. I, that's what I can like imagine as my full I feel like, like your, your playa name is going to be funfetti. Like when you actually get to Burning Man, it's just going to be funfetti everywhere. It's going to be awesome. Yeah. I'm going to just give everyone funfetti frosting too. Oh my, you're <laughs> going to be so popular. <laughs> I'm gonna be like, oh. I knew her first. <laughs> I love that. So I, just, it so yeah, I want to circle back to the idea of ruminating thoughts. So when we're ruminating or like when we are having like a lot of unpleasant thoughts about a situation, I always try to remember that like our dear, dear sweet subconscious is just trying to keep us safe. So oftentimes when we're overthinking something, we can get down on ourselves. Like I do this all the time. I'm like, oh, I'm so sick of like overthinking this. Like I just need a break. And then it'll, I'll have like a two second break. And then my brain will be like, yeah, no, we have to go back to that. <laughs> and so I, step, step, yeah, step. Yeah, like, hey, hey. So I grew up in a home where perfectionism was so important. So I came from a house of child abuse. I had, you know, a lot of different types of abuse within my family. And unfortunately, both my parents were also children of child abuse. So it's just this kind of cycle that's been reoccurring and reoccurring and reoccurring. And perfectionism is is a trait that is such a byproduct of this type of environment. And basically it's because as a kid, like you didn't know which way your parent was going to react. Like, are they going to, are they in a good mood? Or are they in a bad mood? Is this going to like freak them out? Are they going to like go over the edge? Or are they going to think it's really cute? Like, it's just so hard to tell as a child. So this thought of perfectionism and this addiction to perfectionism is like the number one trait, I would say, of being a survivor of child abuse. And so I think that it's really important to realize that like perfectionism can be this point of rumination and it's trying to keep us safe. That subconscious is just like, if we get this one perfect, if we get this one right, then we're going to stay safe and then we're going to be okay. And so without checking that and without like really working on perfectionism, that can go rampant. But I just want to circle back on like our subconscious is always trying to keep us safe. And so just like honoring that, I think also helps to build that trust that we were talking about. Yeah, I really like that. So I know you mentioned that money and partnerships are kind of the two main blockers. What's the common trajectory? So I do one-on-one sessions and most of the clients that I work with are actually calling in partnership, which is really interesting because, because <laughs> both programs are available, <laughs> but I am, um, I also have a lot of business colleagues that are like way more interested in the money, but then the partnership also follows. So I'll just share a story of a recent client that I'm working with. And she's been calling in partnership for the last year and a half, maybe more. And it's been at the top of her list. And this isn't one of those, like she was sitting back and just letting it come to her. She was on the apps. She was swiping. She was dating. She was dating people in open relationships. She was doing it all. (laughs) If you look at the masculine and feminine, she's being very masculine about it, but then also very in her feminine of like letting them come to her, you know? And so when she and I were working together, we just did a bunch or like a one-on-one session on like what her shadow side of being in a relationship was. And through working with each other, we realized that she was just so scared that once she's in a relationship that she goes crazy. And she used that word of like, I lose my mind and I go crazy. And so once we started like actually dissecting that and looking at 
where that came from, obviously her relationship with her parents. So here's the other cool thing about her subconscious. It's so great at like reusing the information that it already has stored. (laughs) And this is all information from Andrew Huberman, who's a neuroscientist at Stanford. So we use that same brain space that we have our relationships with our parents with for our romantic partner. So it's a bummer. I know. (laughs) I wish it wasn't so. (laughs) But like, again, your subconscious is just really smart. And it's using that same exact space to have that romantic relationship with your partner. So looking at your relationships with your parents is another great way to figure out like what your shadow aspects are of your romantic life. But anyway, so she and I were working together. We're like talking about like her childhood, her past, her relationship with her father, and really figuring out what it was that was blocking her from finding her partner. And it's not that she wasn't dating. It's just that she was dating people that weren't the right fit. And so after the session, she realized like, oh, I my subconscious is protecting me from going crazy because every relationship she's ever been in she eventually snaps and like goes crazy. And that's serving a need, obviously, going back to what we were talking about earlier, it's serving this need of getting attention and really quickly being able to set boundaries. So when we're angry, that is a quick process to actually set a boundary, even though it's maybe not the healthiest. It is the quickest for sure. And oftentimes when we're fighting with our partner, even though it's not the healthiest way, actually fighting with your partner can be a point of connection. It can be a way that you two are like really, truly being honest with each other for maybe the first time. So, you know, here's her brain, like trying to do all these fancy things of getting connection, getting love and setting boundaries, but just not in this healthy way. So as soon as she realized like what the shadow trait was and how it was serving her, I shit you not, she found her partner a month later. (laughs) They're amazing. They are like, I feel like those are the couples that you know are like meant to be together forever. Like it's the cutest thing I've ever seen. But not only like did she find the one, but in the way she found it was like so incredibly just synchronous. Like she's stepping into this relationship with someone who's actually meeting her and is not, it's not her blowing, lowering her standards for. It's an actual match and it, she's ready to step in. And instead of getting those needs met by like losing her shit on her partner, she's stepping in and asking for what she needs. So it's early yet. It's early days, but I'm really excited to see what happens. Yeah. Also, just because I'm nosy, how did they meet? They, so they met on Hinge. They definitely met on an app. And like how she found, I'll just share this story too. She, how she found this man is like incredible. So she has this lovely Akashic record reader friend, Jess Briggs, I'll just name her. She's amazing. I highly recommend working with her who they did a session and literally she was like, I'm losing my shit. I need to find my partner now. (laughs) And our friend, the record reader was just like, well, usually I don't do this, but like your partner's close. Turn the app up to age 41. He's within like a 10 mile radius of your place. Like he's into, she was like, he's into trees. He's into yoga, like go find him. And legit the next week she found him. Wait, what's it called? A record? Akashic record reader, which is basically an intuitive psychic. Wow. I know. It was wild. It was wild. You're gonna have to talk to your friend. Oh yeah, for sure. I will like I will introduce this. It's like first you gotta unblock, you gotta like open your subconscious up. Yeah. Then you gotta be like, okay, Jess, (laughs) where's my person? (laughs) I'm ready for them. 
Okay, perfect. <laughs> uh, yeah, I just need, honestly, it's like, I just need to be told what to do and then I'll do it. Like everything. I'm like, can someone just make my meals for me <laughs> and then just tell me like what to do? Like, I just don't know what to do. Like, I, like for clothes, I'm like, I'm not very into fashion, but if somebody just tells me what to wear, I'm like, oh, I love it. <laughs> I love that so much. <laughs> Awesome. Well, this has been so great. How can people get in touch with you? Yeah. So if you're interested in getting in touch, you can visit my website and that's super easy. It's just sarahcohan.com, S-A-R-A-H-C-O-H-A-N.com. And you can find me on Instagram at it's me, Sarah Cohan. That's I-T-S-M-E-S-A-R-A-H-C-O-H-A-N. And I post clips all the time from my weekly podcast guests. And then you can find all sorts of like coaching information there as well as workshops that I host. Awesome. Yeah, definitely follow Sarah. She's awesome. She posts amazing content. I'm always learning different things from all of your different posts. Thank you again for being here. Thank you. Thank you guys for listening today. I hope you guys enjoyed the conversation. And for your challenge of the week, I am challenging everybody, all the singles out there, I challenge you to give out your phone number to a stranger and just write your first name and your phone number on a piece of paper, put it in your pocket, walk around with it. And before the end of the day, wherever you are, just hand it to a stranger and talk to them. And for all the people who are listening who might be coupled up, you and your boo should think about how to set up one of your single friends because that's the gift that you can do. It costs nothing and you'll be helping everybody out and you'll be making somebody's day. So set up a friend if you are in a relationship and if you're single, don't forget to give out your phone number as your weekend challenge. If you do it, let me know how it goes. Everybody who's been doing it has been having awesome results in terms of wanting to do it again, feeling more awesome and confident. And I just think the world is our oyster. We can make it our dating app and the sky is the limit, people. All right, with that, hope you guys have a great day and let me know how it goes. Bye.